Welcome to the B2B Marketing and Copywriting Podcast. I am your host, Linda Malone, certified conversion copywriter and founder of The Copyworks. In this podcast, I interview marketing and copywriting experts on all facets of, well, marketing and copy, with an emphasis on the link between the two, with a focus on creating higher conversions in your B2B business. I also include recordings from the other side of the table where I'm interviewed by the host of other podcasts and short clips of tips from yours truly on copywriting. In short, you'll find something for everyone in the marketing and copywriting B2B world. Let's dig in. My guest today is Brooklyn Nash. He is the co-founder of Beam Contents. That's B-E-A-M as in Mary, not Beam Content. With a decade of freelance and in-house marketing experience, Brooklyn focuses on helping both clients and freelancers stand out. So in today's interview, he talks about what content do you look for when you're looking for a marketing tool? What are past content's mistakes that he's even embarrassed to talk about, but he's willing to on this interview? And how do you not bore your audience to tears? And lastly, how do you create consistency in your content, which is such a struggle for so many of us? So let's jump right in. Okay, Brooklyn, I'm so happy to have you on this podcast. And do people tell you you have kind of a Hollywood name? Like it sounds like <laughs> it's a very cool name. I appreciate it. I just got that on a call today. So yeah, I get it. Either that or a country singer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially like Nash, like Nashville or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. I'm excited about this topic and just, you know, getting some really great information about content because it's such a huge, it's all the rage on LinkedIn for sure. Yeah. And with that, before we even get into it, I wanted to ask you, how do you, and I'll tell you if it's the same as how I define content versus copy, because I get that question a lot. And you said that you do too. How do you differentiate? Mostly length for the most part, if it's living on the site, like that's probably the easiest differentiator. Copy, I think of as landing pages, your sales pages, your homepage, and then down through to even like email marketing and drip and nurture sequences and things like that. I think of that as copy, right? And then content would be longer articles and eBooks and case studies and then things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and it's a, I don't know why it's a, it's, but it's a pet peeve when people use them interchangeably. <laughs> well, you know, I had posted yesterday on LinkedIn, in fact, that I was working, I was doing a lot of content. I was writing for a lot of print publications years ago. And mm -hmm. I had an editor that said, Hey, can you do some copywriting for me. And I thought, well, how different could it be? This was years ago before I knew better. And I wrote something for her. It was like an ad. She wanted like an ad. And she said, this is awful, <laughs> pretty much. And I didn't know what I was doing. And so I thought, well, what could be the difference? And it wasn't until I got into it myself that, I mean, the way that I've seen it defined most is that content is used to inform or educate and then copy is motivating people to take some kind of action, but there's mm. some overlap. You know, so yeah. but the content, the longevity of it, I didn't even think about that, but that makes a lot of sense. You wouldn't have an ad that's up forever, but a blog would be or could be, you know, for a while. Right. And it can be more iterative. The previous yours is a better differentiation, I think. But and there, I mean, I think they're just two different skill sets. I am not 
a copywriter. I've dabbled in it. And before we got super specific about what we do, I would do sales pages and things like that. It's a different skill set because it takes a different creative mindset. Like you have to dig into the weeds and go deep and then pull out just like 50 words (laughs) versus like a 2000 word article. It's just a different process. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I didn't understand at the beginning until I started studying it and working with copywriting coaches and that kind of thing. Can you talk a little bit about how you got to where you are? Because I know you've worked with some big companies before and done other things. Like, how did you end up where you are? I love like origin stories because I find them interesting. Yeah, sure. Try to give the short version. I started freelancing just about nine years ago, kind of by necessity. We were, I was doing my master's degree in Tel Aviv, so I couldn't have like a normal part-time job. So I started looking for online jobs and got into freelance writing. Did that for about five years before starting my first full-time role at a tiny sales tech startup in a content marketing role, uh, and then moved into outreach uh, as in still content marketing, but community content focused. And then after about a year there, jumped back into doing my own thing. And my wife and I decided to start Beam as an agency versus still just kind of doing the freelancer route. So you were working as a a freelance content writer. Did you do like what I did with like magazines and that kind of thing too? Or what sort of content were you writing? Is online. It was so early in the first four years, it was all over the map. I worked on e-commerce stuff. I did social media, I did email, SEO. And then about four years ago, made the shift to specifically B2B SaaS and specifically content marketing versus uh, copywriting like we were talking about. Yeah. So that was really the shift. And then a couple of years after that, jumped into the full-time content marketing role. So that was kind of the transition from freelance writer to content marketer was over the course of those couple of years. Okay. Yeah, my background was a little different than I started with a lot of print publications. And mm. that really, you know, they all folded like around 2014, that area. I mean, I was writing, some of it was for online. I wrote for MSN Health and some pretty big sites and they literally overnight stopped using freelancing. So it was, oh wow, yeah. And I was, I was getting paid quite a bit for that. And I, I there was that, the handwriting was sort of on the wall. Like I knew that might be, there were things, you know, people were telling me, I don't know, MSN, I don't know if they're going to keep using freelancers. And my editor wasn't saying anything. And then just one, literally one morning she said, I'm so sorry, but you know, we're just, we're not using freelancers anymore. So Mm-hmm. It was quite a shock, not a good day. But then, you know, you, you move yeah. on to other things. So, but yeah. when you, yeah, when you talk about content, what content do you look for when you're looking for like a marketing tool? When I'm in the market for a tool, I look for something that is actually answering my questions versus just pointing me to the tool. So, like the two examples that come to mind, both HR focused, but uh, we set up payroll with our new company and everything with Gusto. And I just think their content is great. It has tons and tons of resources that are still just as helpful to us now as customers as they were when we were in the market for a payroll tool, right? So it's less like the kind of content that drives attention, but then doesn't drive a a whole amount, a, a whole lot of engagement or a true education. It's just all surface level. I think I'm looking for stuff that goes in depth. And then we just set up 401k for the team too. We're using Betterment and they do the same exact thing, like super helpful articles about 
exactly the kinds of questions we were asking and will continue to ask as we administer a 401k, right? Okay, that's interesting. So one thing I noticed on the website, a lot of your process is very similar to mine, like the research Mm. and because copywriting is all about getting the voice of the customer and Mm -hmm. I think content less so, but you do still want to know who you're talking to, obviously. So it just... It seems like it's all, it's a lot of it's the same until it branches off into the purpose of that copy or that, that content. Or were there mistakes that you made about content that maybe are either embarrassing now or just you wish you, <laughs> you learned from it, but you're not doing that again kind of situation? Yeah, I think early on when I was making the shift from doing a bunch of different stuff into a particular thing. For a while, that particular thing was SEO back in, what, 2016-ish. And for a while, when I would get on with potential clients, when I was just freelancing, I was like, what's the phrase about uh, if you're a hammer, you see everything as a nail? Like yeah. you get on with the call and be like, they'd share what they're going through, what their gaps are, and it'd be like, great, we'll do four articles a month, and a pillar piece and, you know, do the SEO research to back those up and then be golden. And um, I think there's a place for that, but it was so, such a narrow focus of what content can be that I think I am a little embarrassed of those conversations over those couple of years before I brought in my horizons a little bit. (laughs) So what was the, when you said that you broadened your horizons, like what, what changed after that? Like, what do you do now? What we do now is kind of what you had said, where the similarity between copywriting and content marketing, or at least in our process, is starting with the voice and input of either the customer or a partner or internal SMEs, and then using that to guide the content. And and you said it's less so with content marketing, but I don't think it has to be. Like in copywriting, you're using the voice of the customer and then using pulling out their perspectives and their words and their sentiments. And in, with content, you can like talk to a customer or a prospect and just use their quotes and use their experience to guide the content that you're creating. And I think that's pretty rare in B2B content. So we're trying to flip that on its head. And that's the thing with B2B is, you know, people say, well, it's not boring to boring. But there's, I know yeah. that, you know, with the companies, it's interesting because I work with a number of SaaS companies and a lot of times when I interview the CEO or the people who are, you know, hiring me, they they say, well, you know, I ask them about the voice. Like, what, how do you want your customers to hear you? Like, what sort of tone? Or And then they almost always tell me, well, we want it to be light. Sometimes they say humorous, definitely not boring and definitely not like everybody else. But yet their hobby sounds like everybody else. Yeah. Then when I go in and make the changes according to my research, which, you know, is part of it is interviewing our customers as well as them. Sometimes there's resistance at first, like, you know, this, I'm not yeah. sure about this, but it said, well, this is what I heard. But to capture attention, whether it's content or copies, using quotes from the customer is perfect. And a lot of times it, it's um, really eye-opening too, because mm-hmm. put it in quotes. For some reason, putting things in quotes always like jumps out at people. Like somebody said this, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it adds personality, right? It's not just from the brand's perspective. I think I've tweeted about it before. Like I feel like every single B2B writing guideline I've ever seen when it comes to the voice and tone, it says like some version of be authoritative, but conversational. 
like every single one. And sometimes that's successful and they do it. And sometimes it's not. So it's really more about when the rubber meets the road of like, what's the input you're getting for the content so that you can make it conversational and make it specific and make it actionable. And how do you adapt like the, you know, content that's not boring to your audience? Do you have certain ways of getting around it or certain criteria that you use to find that type of content? Yeah. I mean, I think it looks a little different for our content than for our clients' content because it does depend on the client. Like sometimes it is a little bit more buttoned up because they are talking to CTOs. And then sometimes it's a lot looser because they're talking to 23-year-old AEs, right? Not to generalize anything, but like it depends on who, who your audience is, right? What we come back to basically across all of our client projects is those two words I mentioned just a bit ago of making it conversational and making it specific. So like if it's coming across as overly academic, then you're not hitting the conversational mark. And if we're making kind of broad stroke statements without the research or quotes or real world experience or screenshots to back it up, then we're not being specific enough. So those are kind of our two guiding factors. We have a, like a four page writer's guide for a team of writers. But if I were to narrow it down to two things, it would be specific and be conversational. And I think that conversational part is where people get tripped up because they are afraid it's going to be too either flipping or because there's things like you have Dollar Shave Club and you have, you know, those sorts of ads are hilarious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're not appropriate for every brand. But yet there's mm -hmm. a lot of brands that would benefit from having a little bit of, you know, humor. And even products like Apple, I mean, they're known for, because they're used as like the gold standard in copywriting and the coaches mm -hmm. I've worked with a lot of time will pull up, a you know, an Apple ad and we'll pick it apart. And the thing with Apple is that they start, their headlines are usually not necessarily funny, but witty. And then the rest yeah. of the video is very feature oriented and down to earth. Yeah. Had that, that stuck in my mind. I think I first saw it a couple of years ago on the Apple website. It's not even an ad, but like on the product page for the, the MacBook Air, it was light period years ahead. And I, and it was in two lines. It's hard to describe copy like, yeah, in a conversation, but like the, I saw that and used like what you said, like clever and witty. I just like stared at it. I was like, that is brilliant. Who came up with that? I know. And it was probably a team of people. And then when you think yeah. about it, it's three words, you know, yeah. to come up with that. And that's why, you know, and some people are like, you know, my client only wants to pay me per word. They only like, this is more for content related stuff. It's like, what took, you know, how long it took to come up with those words? Yeah. How many people did it take? The one I think about that one of my coaches used was for to announce a waterproof version of their phone. And it was P with a bunch of F's and T, like, you know, water, like something about like the sound. Yeah. Like, who cares? You know, and, and she said, she goes, I never in a million years would think of using that as copy, but it worked yeah. mm -hmm. because it was like, you know, we don't care about water. It's like, just throw it in a bowl. And like, yeah, I love it. And yeah, that's why I said it's it's like two different processes. And I really, I don't think I'm super great at it, but it is a fun process because it's just a lot more of a creative process, right? Yeah. feels more artistic than writing a, you know, thousand word case study. <laughs> and, and the thing is too, with a lot of it, is that you get those sorts of ideas 
when you're not in front of the computer. Like when I'm not mm. working, when I'm sitting here, I'm trying to come up with something. It usually doesn't happen, but I will literally sometimes wake up in the morning. It's like my brain has been working on it and I'll come up with something that the client will really like. And one time my husband said, cause I said, oh, I don't, he was telling me I work too much. And I said, so I'm going to work that much. He goes, when you're not working, you're working. Because I can see it. It's not working. It's good. Yep. <laughs> the wheels are turning. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. how we create our content. Like you asked about like the bringing the levity and some humor. We can channel it into a lot of our client projects, but like on my social content, I'm just like borderline irreverent, right? Because I just, I'll post anything that I think is funny. And sometimes other people think it's funny and sometimes they don't. But a lot of it just comes from like, I'm driving or I'm in the shower or I'm staring down at the desk and then it just comes up. That's my opportunity to be a little more creative, right? (laughs) Yeah. You posted something today on LinkedIn about, oh, is a kid looking out the window? Yeah. Something about, because it was, it's a creepy, I've seen that picture before. That picture, yeah. And I left the comment and I said, he could be 77 or he could be 37. I don't know. That's crazy. Yeah. But it's very creepy looking and somebody commented, like when you're on a Google Doc with someone else and you see them making changes. I get Uh that. Which was the original caption I had, but I had that yesterday uh, with a different meme. So that was the difference. But I know it's good when I can... If I crack myself up with it, then I'll post it. And I'm just here. To, I'm just entertaining myself over here. Right. Might as well share it, you know, at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how do you create consistency in your content? Because we hear all the time about you need to be consistent. And what exactly, like, how do you see consistency, I guess, in content, like with what you do and what you do for your clients? Yeah. So I think there's two different, probably two different answers or questions there. Like one, I, I think personal branding or social selling on LinkedIn or Twitter, right? People talk about being consistent with it, like daily posts. And then there's for a brand being consistent with your editorial calendar. So you have a set amount of pieces going out and then it's a whole quality versus quantity issue and all of that for the brands we work with. And I think just for B2B marketing in general, I think consistency starts earlier than people realize. Like if you want to publish, for example, four articles a month and a case study each month and a long form report or guide each quarter, like you have to start planning those pretty well in advance because there's a lot of stakeholders that come in, especially if you're taking the time to not just pass it to a freelance writer and they pull together a few things from the first page of Google and they regurgitate the info in a somewhat new format. Like good content takes time. So it's about planning ahead and knowing what topics and formats you have in the quarter or two quarters to come and then what inputs you'll need for those. On the social end, I'm like the complete opposite. I have zero social strategy. I don't schedule things out in advance. I just think about what I'm, it's, it basically comes down to what I'm working on what I'm reading or thinking about, conversations I'm having, and then what I find funny. And with those four things, like I haven't run out of daily posts yet because it's just sharing, it's being more transparent. It's like sharing what I'm working on, screenshots of an email I sent or something that a conversation I had yesterday sparked or the memes that, the silly memes that (laughs) that I find funny. (laughs) So you don't think it's so important you hear a lot about, you know, people say just stick to one subject and just hammer that. Like always like don't change, don't add a lot of personal 
stories. And so do you agree with that or do you think that it's not necessary? Because it sounds like a, that you just do kind of what whatever you want to do, which is what I do. <laughs> I agree with part of it. Yeah, part of it, but not all of it. I think it's served me pretty well to be pretty specific about I'll pretty much only post about content marketing or freelancing. Like I won't try to dig into ad tech or managing your career, things like that, right? Like that's my lane. <laughs> yeah. But I don't agree that you can't like bring personality into it and your stories and like what's going on and how your experiences have shaped XYZ. As long as you're not cheesy about it, like I think there's there can be a lot of cheese on LinkedIn where it's trying to spin some big life lesson out of some tiny life moment. And I don't think that always works. <laughs> Do you ever get on Reddit? Do you get on that? LinkedIn lunatic? Yeah. Are you talking about? Yes. I love it. I'm on, the, I go on, I tr it's not like a daily thing, but probably once a week I'll go on there to see what's, see what's up. Keeps me yeah. humble. And some, like I don't see what some of these people post, I've never seen on my timeline. I'm grateful for it, but there are people who are doing some pretty insane stuff. And I don't, you know, if you have to start your post with, I know this isn't Facebook, but, or you know, I know this isn't appropriate for here. Well, then don't post it. Then don't post don't. it there. <laughs> yeah. You know, I get that in the DMs a lot. Lately, I've been getting more the pitch slapped, you know, where people are like, I know, you know we just connected, but I have this product. It's like, if you have to say that, then you know that it's, I'm not going to respond to you. And, you know, yeah. If there's a caveat in there, and then maybe just hold off or find a different way. My well, I don't want to turn into like a diatribe of pet peeves, but like speaking of pitch slapping and DMs, it's so funny to me and annoying at the same time that there's all these lead gen agencies out there who are pitching me their lead gen services with the most terrible outreach and like messages and follow up that that you could imagine. I'm like, you are literally disqualifying yourself as a vendor because of the way you're reaching out to me because if this is how you're reaching out to me this is probably how you'd reach out to my prospects and that is not what i would want to see and the thing is i had um said on somebody else's post today that the people who are doing those sorts of direct pitches right out of the gate are the people who are not engaging on linkedin because the people who mm -hmm. i'm on i see all the time i never you know, get that from them. And, and and if they do, like, I just have never had that happen where, you know, somebody I'm following or someone I'm engaging with is going to send me something out of the blue. The only thing I got recently, which actually was really good, and I forget his name, but he has a video service, but he created a video just mm. for me, like my name on it. He had my logo trade, like the logo on, like he really you know, it was very impressive. And I told him, I said, this is really good. I don't know if I'm going to use service, but I did look into it a little bit and I may down the road, but I mean, that was something that showed he put effort into it and yeah. it's fine, but. And it yeah. stands out because it's, it's the exception. Yeah. Yeah. It was really the exception. Usually it's just a cut and paste pitch that you could tell they've sent to everybody. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. What do you recommend for content Maybe on LinkedIn, like, are there any tips that you would provide, like people don't hear so often? Or what do you consider most important for posting content? Mm. Like from your own account? Yeah. I think people really enjoy seeing real world examples. Like I think what has gotten the most traction and I've 
heard some validation and like DMs and follow-up calls and things like that is anytime I post like a screenshot of an email that I sent with names blocked out or whatever, or the way I have my calendar blocks set up or our Slack, our team huddle Slack message and format, like those have really landed because I think people, whether it's content marketers or freelancers, really like seeing the real world example of something. I think often on LinkedIn, we end up talking about, we end up talking around the edges of things like without something super tangible and practical. So if it's something that somebody could take and run with as a template or an inspiration for topic ideation or, or whatever, I think that really lands. And it's easier on you because then it's just like, going through your day, doing your work, and then just keeping in the back of your mind, like, would this be something that could be helpful and interesting to people to share? And then you just take a screenshot. You don't even have to put a ton of content behind it. <laughs> you just yeah. put it up there. And I think it's not something I see super often, but I think it's something that people enjoy. Yeah, I find those ty types of posts really helpful. Someone recently asked me if I could do a comparison between copy and content. And I could, but I don't even know, you know, where to start. I'll pull a blog or something and try to do it. But it, that may be like something like that might be helpful. So people know, okay, this is where it separates out into two different approaches. Yeah, something exactly like that, like side by side. That's exactly yeah. it. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time. Where can people find you? They want to connect with you and learn more about. For Beam, it's beamcontent.co. And otherwise, I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter. Just search my name and connect. I'm there. <laughs> There's not many other people with your name. So this is pretty easy. To True. Yeah. Well, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Great chatting. Okay. So that wraps up today's episode. I hope you found it valuable. And if you did and you enjoyed it, please be sure to share it with friends and business associates who may find it of interest as well. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to follow me on LinkedIn, or you can reach out to me through my website at thecopyworks.com. And we'll talk to you soon.